0: Good afternoon, all. What a great privilege and honor it is to have with us today an incredibly accomplished, respected leader, Dr. Nick Sutinko, an emergency medicine physician leader at Vima, Virginia Emergency Medicine Associates. And Nick also works at Inova Health System. And this is Coffee with Jim, Interviews with Healthcare Leaders. Nick has been so gracious, humble, and candid in agreeing to have this discussion with us about burnout, wellness, and resilience. Nick shares his specific observations, experiences, and best practices that helped him when he was down to slow down, take a bigger picture, and create a personalized protocol toward wellness. Nick, as always, it's so great
1: to have you here today. Thank you, Jim. Uh, Happy to join you today. And I just wanted to publicly say, you know, happy belated Father's Day. And back to you. And I love we get to compare
0: stories, especially with our daughters. I I know you had some good time with daughters and I think grandparents, too, last weekend. Yes, I certainly did. You know, Nick, before we get to our leadership discussion, then you are Again, dad to a beautiful daughter. Tell me a little bit about what's been toughest about managing the family, considering the pandemic the last 15, 16 months.
1: Yeah, certainly. Like many families during this pandemic, being able to juggle professional and family duties while preserving your own health and sanity, really has been extremely difficult. I think our family unit has gotten closer. I would even argue that we're a lot stronger because of the pandemic. We, like many, have met the challenge of coming up with new ways of staying active, safely, and connecting with the people we love. And that doesn't surprise me
0: since I've, again, had the good fortune to get to know you and your family the last seven or eight years or so. So Nick, if you could plan a safe family getaway tomorrow and COVID would... COVID were not an issue, what would you and the family do?
1: Jim, that's a really easy question, and I'm sure it is for many, since we all have been dreaming about a return to normal, right? Actually, just the other day, my wife and I were talking about, you know, what are we going to, what do we want to do? I would definitely take my wife and daughter to uh, Japan again. We've been there before, and we've been eyeing climbing Mount Fuji. All three of us, including my 10-year-old daughter, have enjoyed the challenge of strenuous hikes in the past. Our last major trip, I think I've told you this story, a couple years ago was to Hokkaido, which is the northernmost island of Japan. There they have this uh, amount, it's called Mount Mashu, it's the tallest peak in that island. And it also happened to be an active volcano. We hiked it, went to the peak and just seeing the joy on my daughter's face when we reached the summit, you know, and seeing her overcome physical adversity, a little mental adversity kind of pushing through and getting to the top. It really Brought me a level of joy and satisfaction that is really hard to put in words. It's those types of experiences that I really look forward to having again uh, when the pandemic is over. That sounds like it would be great. (laughs) Again, our country is facing one of the most psychologically demanding and
0: fatiguing moments in recent history. Part of the reason why the theme of our leadership discussion today is addressing burnout and enhancing wellness. Since we've had the pleasure to work together in various capacities, At least two of your many strengths include having a high degree of emotional intelligence and
1: social intelligence. So what makes these topics important to you now as a physician leader? Burnout is an organizational problem, not necessarily an individual one. I believe physician leaders need to be accountable for supporting the mental health of their team members. These physician leaders must be deeply aware of the energy level of individual team members and also their organization as a whole leaders really must allow each member to feel empowered to take control over their own lives and their decisions. It's challenging.
0: And as you know, you know many folks will say that's just the touchy-feely stuff, right? Emotional intelligence. So if we're playing devil's advocate, what makes that important to leaders big picture?
1: Well, let, let me see if I can answer that in a little bit circuitous way. You know, from my perspective, the job of emergency medicine, or I should say, any medical arena, often evokes strong feelings and emotions. I think we can all understand that. I still remember my first days of internship up in Boston, fearing the emotional ups and downs of a like a high acuity shift. I'd go to the hospital chapel before every shift, praying that I wouldn't see someone die that day in the ER. I think I've told you that before, shared that with you. I, I now understand that these very uncomfortable feelings mean we value humanity. I can say now that I no longer fear this emotional roller coaster. I actually fear the day when I can no longer feel, uh, meaning if I am laying witness to sickness, pain, suffering, and I'm numb to it, that's one version of my burnout. We should recognize that everyone's burnout is unique. I think physician leaders need to understand that. Good physician leaders know this and they help provide and support paths to wellness. I can also try to answer this question by giving you a personal example of a recent experience in the ED that I had that I still think about frequently. A few months ago, we resuscitated a 45-day-old baby. The baby came in blue, was an active CPR, required ventilation, intubation, multiple rounds of medications, a lot of invasive procedures, all with the father standing in the room watching our every move. Ultimately, we were able to stabilize the patient, get him transferred to the pediatric ICU at Fairfax Hospital, a relatively good outcome uh, in the end. Afterwards, I realized that even though we had a positive outcome, I was deeply impacted by the entire experience. The adrenaline wore off, I thought about my own family, I cried for the father. In our minds, babies aren't supposed to get super sick and need resuscitation like that. I also thought about how nervous I felt with the father watching me, watching us. Were we performing to his expectations? What were his expectations? What are my expectations? But I was able to lead the team effectively because everyone was working so well together. Communication was good. We kept each other's buckets of energy full by working as a team. I remember the NICU team coming down to support us, our nurse admin supervisor standing side by side with the father, supporting him every single team member, ER team member executing their roles perfectly. Very stressful, but in the end I was able to pull the ED team together to do a debriefing, uh, which is where we all kind of huddle together after the fact and talk about the experience. And this was a, a way to take stock of each individual's energy levels and also as a way for me to allow the team as a whole, to take an emotional moment. You know, we all needed it. Everyone needed to process what just happened. I also needed to tell each member how they positively affected me as a clinician, as part of their team, as their physician leader, how they positively affected the patient's father, and of course, the patient. Yes, 45-day-old resuscitation encounter, emotions during the resuscitation suck, but the debrief in the end, was incredibly positive. I can remember at the end of that crazy shift, I did not feel burned out. I felt connected not only to my patient and the patient's father, but I felt especially connected to every member of my ED team. In a way, I can say that day was not transactional. In fact, those kinds of days are transformative for me, and they reaffirm why I do emergency medicine. In the end, that was a successful day.
0: That story has so many lessons, insights, questions. Nick, again, great story, powerful story. Delighted that the baby went home well and the father did too. What gave you the insight to pause? You know, you and I have had some discussions in the past when individuals may be fried at that moment and may not have that insight. What contributed to that? I would argue that that was a success that you were able to pause and that's part of the social intelligence.
1: Thoughts of monitoring my own I use the term bucket of energy and also recognizing that all my team members have a bucket that can be emptied or filled energy-wise, empathy-wise, a lot of different things. When you have a stressful moment like that, inevitably our buckets of energy and empathy are being emptied. It is not something we all want to witness. I believe it's part of my role as a physician leader, as I mentioned before, to have a pulse on that. As a clinician, as a physician leader, I want my team to perform at the highest. And so I'm going to take every opportunity to recognize when someone's bucket is empty and try to fill it. And so that debrief is our way of taking stock. It allows team members to say, I'm not feeling good about that. And me recognizing, hey, you know what, validate their feelings, provide some insight of what I saw. I do recall some members saying, you know, should I have done that? Was that the right thing? And yes, It was. was, You you performed excellent. You supported the team in this way. You supported me in this way. A lot of people, when they see a sick baby and they don't know what the outcome is going to be, they second guess themselves. And as a physician leader, I've had the experience to say you did the right thing. And if they don't, you know, it's up to me to coach them, but at a more appropriate time. So I, I think in the end, a debrief is an excellent way for us to take an emotional moment, allow people to share their levels of energy. And then me as a physician leader to validate feelings, sometimes reciprocate feelings, also be vulnerable and to share how I was impacted. I was incredibly impacted, obviously. The team members seeing that they're not alone allows us to support each other too.
0: Yeah, excellent examples. I was going to comment on that. I think one of your many successes there was the vulnerability. You said you cried with the dad, right? And and I know when we've talked about this in the past, the tough things that you and your colleagues see... There are moments, you know, you've cried in the past, others have too, maybe in a different decade and or a different generation that might have been seen as weakness. You know, one of the many, again, gifts that you offer is is being empathetic and vulnerable and modeling this because the team members were feeling some of that too.
1: Yeah, Jim, I, I think I mentioned earlier that I fear the day where I'm numb to it. In other words, I fear the day when I stop crying. You know, it's tough to see these things. It's, it's tough to experience these things. The work of medicine is, it's a hard job, but it's a necessary one. And a lot of, a lot of people are called, and it is a privilege. I think many of us talk about it is truly a privilege to take care of the sick and to take care of those close to them who are also our patients. It's a unique job in the fact that, you know, you are privy to a lot of personal information, and not even knowing these people until they just come through the doors. Within minutes of meeting someone, they're telling me their most intimate details of their life and being honest and vulnerable themselves. So if they're being vulnerable, I'm gonna be vulnerable. I'm gonna take care of them the best that I can. Part of that is understanding where they are emotionally and seeing if I can meet and fill their buckets. So their buckets are being emptied too by being sick and stressed me trying to fill their buckets indirectly fills my bucket too. Mm -hmm. So you've, you've also touched on when it comes to burnout,
0: what makes it so hard for physicians to see? You've kind of began to answer that. What made it hard for you to see?
1: It took a lot of introspection, a lot of time, a lot of coaching time with you. Uh, I think you mentioned, we've, we've been talking now for A good number of years. Has it really been seven to eight years? Can you believe that? And you're still not sick of talking to me. I'm delighted just by that (laughs) fact. I enjoy it. You know, so that coaching time with you really helped me understand my unique experience with burnout. I now believe when I was growing up and also with medical training, delayed gratification was rewarded. I and other physicians are encouraged to focus on the long-term view. Uh, In a way, I was thinking, suffer through it now, it will pay off in the end. For example, you know, I just need to make it through the next four years of med school. Then that turns into, I just need to make it through the next four years of residency training. That's what I was thinking. Delayed gratification can help me achieve, be successful. But you, Jim, got me to realize that to be truly happy, you must also be creating wellness practices along the way. And I think that's a really important thing. Just a minute ago, I was talking about filling energy buckets. Uh, I really like this analogy, which let me just tell you now and tell everyone, I stole it from a children's book (laughs) uh, I used to read to my daughter. The title is, uh, Have You Filled a Bucket Today? So it is not an original thought. (laughs) It is a children's book thing. It helped me create a framework for, I think, my growth and this journey through burnout. You and I went through exercises identifying areas of my life that brought me joy and also areas of my life that required maintenance, areas that I was ignoring. I used to look at all these things as components of that proverbial work-life balance beam where if you do one thing, then something has to give, you know, so it's a little you know, teeter-tottering left and right. These days, I don't really like that analogy as much because all of those aspects of my life have to live more in harmony. You know, why do I have to sacrifice one thing for another? So as long as I'm filling my bucket in these various areas, then I think I can be happy. So these days I maintain my health bucket by biking and hiking with my family, uh, my social bucket by connecting with friends and family more, my spiritual bucket by engaging my church community and doing other things too. So all this helps refill my professional energy bucket. When that's emptied by stressful patient encounters, professional frustrations, I need these wellness practices um, in all these different parts of my life. I need them to refill that bucket. I believe everyone needs to figure out which of their buckets are being emptied, either because they don't have strategies on how to maintain them. And if they don't have strategies, they need to to develop them so they can keep refilling them. So, So in short... You know, delayed gratification, it can it can be a strength, but it can also be a problem if overdone. Certainly a problem if not coupled with regular wellness practices. Big picture, very insightful,
0: Nick. We're beginning to wrap up related to why does addressing burnout matter?
1: You know, burnout I think is very important topic for everyone uh, to be thinking these days with the stress of the pandemic and uh, all the things that are pulling us in in different directions. Like I've said before, everyone's burnout experience is unique. I believe a person's burnout universally affects those people around you. I think my greatest aha moment of the last several years uh, made me realize. Uh, this particular point, that burnout affects people around me. It's not just bringing me down, it's bringing my family down. I'd like to share uh, a short story. Back in November last year, of course, we're battling the pandemic. I'm in meetings, putting out fires, working shifts, struggling to keep my energy bucket full. Thanksgiving break rolls around. Uh, My family and I decide to go to a remote mountain cabin up in west of North Carolina. Uh, to do some cold weather hiking perfect way to spend some safe time with the family who's hiking in freezing weather right snow on the ground climbing the highest peak on the east coast called mount mitchell strenuous cold hike, fun Seen it jimmy like this my daughter's crushing it she's leaving us behind keep telling her slow down so we get to the top and of course the views are amazing cold but amazing views and i really should be enjoying that moment with my family but instead i was thinking about work i was really worried about projects I was leading and wondering about the uncertain future, as I think a lot of us are. And then my daughter said something. You know, every time I say it, it almost makes me cry. She basically just said, where are you, daddy? Mm. But in a, she said it in a way because obviously I was standing right next to her. She knew, she knew I wasn't there mentally. She was, she was bringing me back. She wanted to make sure that I was sharing that moment with, with her and, mo- and her mom. Wife. It was then that I knew I had to re-embrace how I define success, which you and I have had many discussions before. And I define as part of it as being a physician leader, part of my identity. Also, I define success as being a present husband and a father, a father who's raising the happiest daughter in the world. And those are words that you and I have spoken. Uh, I have written down as part of a epitaph exercise that you um, had me do. And so it was that moment on the mountaintop, I decided I needed to make some hard choices that would allow me to stay true to all the ways I define success. It's been a tough path to the mountaintop to say, uh, but now I'm more equipped to enjoy the journey and many thanks to my supportive family and to you, Jim, really for helping me develop these wellness practices, these tools
0: to get me there. Well, I love this story, Nick. And we joked that maybe the real title of this story is a perspective from the mountaintop. Well, you know, you and Zell have a lot to be proud of. And Amelie, bravo to you. Love that story. Nick, this is a great time to summarize. I'll ask you some of the things that come to mind are what you just mentioned. How do you manage burnout, wellness, and develop resilience? It's defining success. It's about connections to others. So your wellness practices, things to do, and I'll offer, there were things that you had to let go of. And then the last is, it's bigger than me.
1: And hence the story about your daughter. Any reactions? You hit all the the major points. When I looked at my journey with you and with my family over the years, I think the first major step was taking a hard look on how I define success and then using that as an anchor and keeping And going back to it frequently, especially when I had to make hard decisions about how I spent my time, I speak highly about that epitaph exercise that you made me go through because it really forces an individual to think about their identity and think about how they want to be remembered. Think about their personal values. It's after that deep introspection, summarizing a very succinct statement of how I see myself and how I define success. That was my anchor for this journey. After that, it was identifying those parts of my life that the buckets that had holes in them, if you will, right? Yes. So for example, my social bucket, I was not seeing my sister and my family as much as I could have because I was in so many meetings. Let me plug up those holes. Let me make time. Then I started realizing the more time I spent with with my sister and her boys and my friends that my energy was going up that I would bounce back from a tough shift a lot faster than I was when I was burning. And then we went through other aspects of my life, started filling up those holes and filling those buckets. And as those buckets started filling and filling, then every time my energy level, my bucket again at work would be depleted because it's gonna happen. It's a stressful job. Uh, I would bounce back. You and I talked about that's developing resilience, creating these wellness practices, are allowing me to become resilient again. The more recent stages of my journey through burnout, that's the story on the mountaintop. I was having a hard time making some decisions about, again, my professional life and my family and identity, et cetera. And when I realized that some of the choices I I was making was impacting my daughter and my wife, I realized what I needed to do to bring things together. As you'd mentioned, it's the big picture. You know, it's more than just me. It's, it's about my family. It's about my work family too. Having that energy level so that I can be there for my work family is in keeping with my desire to be a physician leader, how I define success. I can be a physician leader by a formal title, by attending meetings and developing projects and processes uh, and setting a good example that way too. And I can be a physician leader at the bedside, in the core, in the emergency department, In ways like we have a tough shift, we have a tough encounter, let me pull a provider or a team member aside and take stock of their energy level, see how they're doing. Have I filled their bucket today? Having a debrief, taking stock of individual members, but also looking at the energy level of the entire group of the department. How can I affect that then or in the near future? As a physician leader, am I able to create systems or opportunities for the team to be well
0: thank you for all of that as you were talking i was thinking about the image that you shared with your whole family and i know some of the faces in your work family bravo to you for contributing as a not only a frontline provider but also as a leader home at work in the community it's always great talking with you nick thank you so much for your pearls of wisdom today
1: thank you jim anytime love being here and, and thank you everything for that you do. You've been a very important part of my life. And moving forward, like I, I totally embrace the physician coaching experience. I think it's something that all th- all physicians should think about. We all, always want to be growing. I, I tell that to a lot of people over the years. This experience that you and I have shared has been some of the biggest growth I've had in my life. I value it uh, greatly. So I, I thank you again. Well, I
0: echo that. I value it too. I greatly appreciate our friendship and my growth in this process too. So always great to be with you, Nick. Thanks again.